Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Today is Monday, September 17th, 2018. It is one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Admissions Live. I'm your host, Chris Dorso, and uh, today's live broadcast, we are talking about the new 2018 e-expectations report. Uh, the e-expectations report is put out every year by our friends at On the Update and Ruffalo No, uh, Ruffalo no Levitz. And it's a report uh, now 14 years in the making uh, that is about how college-bound students engage digitally with higher ed websites and social media and all those kinds of things. But first, uh, Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. You can be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge, participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using the hashtag Higher Ed Live, and we will take questions throughout the show. All of our episodes are free and easy to access the video archives at higheredlive.com, or you can take us with you on the go uh, in podcast form at your favorite local podcast distributor. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, digital first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Planning, organizing, and maintaining college and university web content is challenging. Competing priorities, resource limitations, and siloed departments all have the potential to derail content projects. And whether you're preparing for a large-scale website redesign or building a capital campaign microsite or refreshing a few key pages, whatever, you want to get the right content to the right audience at the right time and within budget. And so Shannon Lannis, content strategist at M content strategist, strategist, I made up a word, at M Stoner leads content planning and delivery for higher ed websites on September 26th. That is next Wednesday. No, two Wednesdays. What is today? I have no idea what today is. So a week and a half away, September 26th, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, hosted by Gather Content. She will share practical examples and techniques that you can use to avoid common pitfalls of content delivery. Today's episode is also sponsored by our friends at Omni Update as the number one resource students use to research colleges. Your website deserves the number one web content management system for higher ed. And OU Campus is built specifically for higher ed, has the most higher ed users, very, very easy to use. I've been on Omni Update for years, and uh, it's fantastic. And it's backed by award-winning support, and you can check it out at omniupdate.com. Our guest today uh, is the fantastic Stephanie Geyer. Stephanie heads up marketing and creative services at Ruffalo Noah Levitz. Uh, and you hear noises in the background because this is not some sort of overproduced studio podcast. Uh, <laughs> we are live to Stephanie's backyard is where we are. Uh, Stephanie has been part of the Brain Trust uh, of E-Expectations since it began 14 years ago. Uh, and uh, hello, Stephanie Geyer. Hey, Chris. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for having me. Of course. So, uh, so this is going to be this is one of those shows where we get into a million topics. So let's uh, let's dig right in. So E-Expectations has been going on for, uh, as I mentioned, 14 years. Uh, let's talk about the basics real quick for those of you who are not familiar with E-Expectations. Uh, how did it start and how do we get from where it started to where we are now? Wow. So started around a conference table at uh, then Noel Levitz, now RNL, and uh, just wondering what those crazy kids were doing with these interesting new social media resources like MySpace and LiveJournal. So, <laughs> um, you know, shortly after the Pony Express ended and, and certainly before where we are with Snapchat and iPhone 10 and all of the artifacts that uh, make our lives interesting. So, 
yeah, we've marched along and really excited about some of the results, all of the results from 2018, some new questions in the mix, and always grateful for the participation of our community. I get great question ideas every time I present this, and so I would love it if that happened as a result of our conversation today. You just need to use the hashtag EXPECT um, on Twitter, find me at Steph Geyer or email me and um, you never know your question may be the the thing we're talking about this time next year right you could become internet famous yes <laughs> Add to uh, your so 15 what, was, uh, what was the major focus this year uh, you know now that we've moved on from uh, questions about fax machines in myspace what was the major focus <laughs> Um, well, as always, we, we, we do too much. Let us know if we do too much. Um, and so in terms of focus, wanting to know a little bit more about how they dig into college websites, a little bit more on their experience priorities, uh, a little bit more about the circumstances that take them from their mobile screen into a, a desktop or laptop. Um, just to get some context and uh, I think some interesting findings uh, building on a question about navigation perspectives and uh, preferences we see some interesting shifts so we'll talk about that too and then social media always a big big question uh, what's happening I think uh, this leads me to tell you we facilitated the study in March and April of this year and uh, that was right when Facebook was in hot water because of the Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm. Now, we have been seeing a steady decline in Facebook use for prospective high school college-bound students, so the younger generation uh, really took a significant dive. And I think the scandal had something to do with it, although it has been a steady decline. So we can talk more about that, too. Yeah, that's a good point. They're definitely, I mean, every year we say that something's dead. You know, it's either the email <laughs> is dead or something. Is email dead, by the way, this year? Not dead yet. Nope. That's good to know. It, feel, it feels happy. Right. Vote, Ronnie. <laughs> uh, but it, it, the sort of uh, societal impact of social media certainly is is relevant on, on this kind of a, uh, any kind of a poll, but uh, timeliness and all that. So that, But that's a really interesting yeah. point. Now, uh, I had a bunch of questions, uh, but I'm going to go off script right away because it's something you said that I thought that was really interesting. So uh, the, the balance between uh, mobile use and desktop and everything we do now in uh, admissions and, and marketing land is, is geared around phones. Um, but students are still using computers in some cases, like real old-timey computers. Uh, <laughs> this is like a throwback Thursday e-expectations. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, is there, because I did notice that in there, and of course now I'm going to flip through and see if I can find it, but maybe you'll just know where it is, um, that that balance between mobile and the desktop experience and, and our students carrying over what they're doing on mobile to the desktop. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to bounce to uh, 26, I think it is. Slides, on the yeah, slides. All right, hang slides. On. Hey, because, you know, it is one click above Pony Express here. Um, in my backyard here in Colorado. So if you take a look at that, I'll look at it. Share. There you go. And boom, there you go. Yeah, so 
we asked, um, are there circumstances in which you would switch to a bigger screen? Meaning, would you go to a laptop or desktop? Yeah, and so uh, here's the order of uh, their responses. So if they thought they were really going to be digging in, looking for a, a while, uh, they didn't quantify how long is a while, but, um, and then they went on to kind of specify, well, if I'm comparing different programs or majors within an institution, you know, maybe they're thinking about a business admin degree or degree, or maybe they're thinking about a, a, an accounting degree and, and comparing those two. Um, comparing overall differences between two or more different schools overall. So curious uh, to see that they might be flopping back and forth between tabs and and perhaps comparing programs too, but also the, the general uh, experience that they might have. Um, completing an RFI. Now this is interesting because uh, we see also submitting application and we know that uh, cost calculators were uh, kind of the highest, most influential resource for juniors in particular, just uh, above websites overall. But filling out forms still happening on mobile devices. So about a third of the students said that they were completing form uh, an RFI or request for information on a mobile device, but many more on this particular question said that they would do that on a larger screen. Okay, now I, I want to address a couple of things that you mentioned there. And so the RFI I think is important because my favorite stat uh, in this year's report as I was going through it uh, was that a whole 50% of seniors gave up on a web form because it was too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorite rants and raves when I'm standing up uh, in, in person at conferences or clients talking about these RFI forms, which are just so beleaguered with questions. It's too much. And I like this data point because it, it perhaps gives our colleagues some confidence to thin it out. Um, my favorite one to pick on is the ridiculous question, how did you hear about XYZ University? Honest to God, really, <laughs> we just don't need to ask that question in this setting, especially if it's going to tick them off and have them abandon the form. Wouldn't you rather find that information from Google Analytics or other digital data and believe in it and save your questions for things that are really relevant, like, you know, hey, what class year are you? Or what's your email address? How about that? Or can we text you? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so since you mentioned texting, uh, you know, we uh, here at Brockport, we are full on texters. Uh, my last job, we were not. Uh, and so I've been sort of thrown into the deep end of the text world and even in just the handful of months that I've been here, we have found texting to be wildly effective, uh, which I don't want to say it surprised me, but I think it exceeded my expectations on what we were going to get out of text messaging. Tell me what's what makes it wildly effective. Like, where do you see them latching on to texting? I think the one thing that we've really noticed is when you give students uh, a a specific call to action that's simple and something that they can handle in a text message, they'll respond. And they're responding at much better rates than it would take for them to 
hit reply, type in what, you know, because part of the thing with emails, you know, we've been hammering for years on, oh, students are emailing us uh, like they're texting us and they're using the letter U to say you, these kinds of things. And we can just respond in a quick text. Text with, with very specific, it's not too late kind of text. And, uh, we're live, baby, we're live. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's not too late text. Uh, and yeah. text uh, and orientation reminders, uh, tour reminders, all those little kinds of things where a quick response of, even if it's just, no, I'm not interested. Okay, we were able to knock off a couple hundred students who we stopped emailing because they, we knew they were not interested anymore. Or we were able to then direct them to be able to say, oh, they had questions about financial aid. Let's take these eight students who replied with financial aid questions and get them over to financial aid and, and get them some help. So really, really effective for very specific calls to action. I think you're so smart to go in that direction. Um, and uh, I don't have the data up in front of me, but we did ask about preferences for topics for texting, and they definitely skew much more transactional, deadline, quick hit, not like, oh, hey, here are 50 awesome things about our engineering program. That's not what they want in that venue. Right. Um, so I think, you know, to your point earlier about having good uh, a good content strategy, yeah, a good content uh, person who's keeping an eye on that and, and also, you know, your team in admissions taking those responses and acting on them right away, like funneling people. Oh, hey, here's a person who's maybe sideways about financial aid or who has this question we weren't expecting or weren't soliciting, like getting right back to them is the other half of texting, not just pushing it out, but doing something because of what you learned. So you're just super smart. Well, thank you. Um, so I pulled up our stats while you were talking and uh, yeah. looking at our, our annual report from this year um, of the students that, from the students who we had uh, a response from, basically. So we send out a lot of texts and admittedly a lot of them go unanswered, like emails. Oh, yeah. But of those who responded, uh, text response meaning that they had some sort of conversation with us, uh, almost a third of them enrolled. It was, uh, you know, almost, looks like about 28% of our freshman class did text with us. Now again, there's the whole cart horse thing. It's, you know, were they otherwise interested and that's why they were responding, whatever. But we know that when we did send out messaging, students responded to it. So mm -hmm. if you're in 2018 uh, still on the fence about texting, it's time. Oh, please, yes. Unless, as I always say, uh, you're one of our competitor schools, in which case, no, stay away from <laughs> In which case, <laughs> In fact, you are free to go on lunch now. Uh, you're good to go. <laughs> so um, uh, one of the things that, uh, that came up in the study that I loved uh, is the, it's a, you, the, one of the key takeaways is that the website is everything. Uh, is this news in 2018 that the website is everything? <laughs> I am the consultant with a firm grasp of the obvious, but you know, there are still folks that just are not acknowledging and acting on the fact that your website is where they go. And um, we still see application as first source, even in our data set for e-expectations this year, there were 17% of the seniors who said that they had applied but had not 
completed an RFI or raised their hand in any way. So why would you not pay attention to this epic self-serve tool that they are going to use whether you feel good about your site or not? Why not? What yeah, are we that, waiting for? That's just it. It's, it's there and that's where they're going to land in most cases. I mean, I know we do a lot about uh, you know, SEO and they're Googling us um, and it, it goes to, it's one of these uh, adages that we've been saying in marketing for years, every page on your website is an admissions page because students are not necessarily going to Brockport.edu and then going from there, they're Googling the program they're interested in and the, uh, they're going from there or they're, they're Googling the college name and the program. Uh, and the studies seem to find that that's where they that they're finding their yeah college. yeah totally um it's it's also astonishing to me when folks still throw up their hands and say well i can't do anything about the academic program pages which are the front door for so many students i mean they just tell us this year after year they want to dig in in that channel they want to affirm hey this school has the major or a collection of majors that might work for me once I figure it out. So why would you as marketers relinquish control of that front door page? You need partnership with academics. You need solid SEO strategy uh, to make sure that folks are getting into those doors and you need to look at your templates. Um, so there was an interesting new question that we asked. Let me see if I can find the number. Maybe you can bring it up. Um, here it is. It's the 24th panel in the deck that I sent you. What frustrates you or frustrates them about your website? And so there was this interesting kind of dichotomy in the results. There it is. Yeah. So um, the biggest result, not enough information to answer my questions. Oops. Okay. Whoops. I'm right. back. You've lost your mind. There it is. So look, yeah, look at the first one, not enough information. And then the next one, too much to read. And even going beyond that, link options don't make sense to me. So I think, you know, at first I looked at the first response, highest response, and then second highest in order by juniors and said, what's going on here? Too much to read, but not enough information. What, what's happening? And what I think it has to do with is the layout, the template, and how we crush so much into these pages that they're looking for. And we have overburdened global navigation you know, sidebars galore, and maybe not the right architecture, the right content strategy to answer the most likely question that brings them to that page. Hey, do you have this program? Does it look like it's worth it? And walk them into deeper detail. Um, so I think this really gets at architecture, templates. And, you know, when I started working in higher ed, and when dinosaurs walked the earth and we did not have the interwebs, we talked about this phenomenon, but from a paper perspective, and it was kind of this bad habit of getting a big nine by 12 envelope and taking every stupid thing we had printed, flyers, loose sheets, applications, maybe there's a view book in there and, oh, let's throw the road piece in there and let's slap a direct mail letter on top and, oh, there's a sticker, let's put that in there too for an inquiry. 
and you know just not not a great approach and maybe folks are still doing that but i think that that mindset like that concern that if we don't put it all in there somebody's going to be dissatisfied when what i think the data suggests is that they're dissatisfied because we are not editing effectively we need to do it yeah and i think a lot of that you know is is again looking at analytics i mean what legitimately are people clicking on and yeah. it, it's 2018 that stuff's very very easy to find it's not uh like it's a great mystery if there's information that we think is important but students do not think it's equally important and they're not clicking on it then it's taking up valuable real estate that we could fill with things that they actually want and that seems like a really basic idea putting it yeah. into practice of course is a whole other thing especially when you're talking about institutional politics and whatnot but um you know this it, it it's not rocket science i like to say rocket surgery that's there you my go. juxtaposition of rocket science and brain surgery and i think elevates it up a notch so so I want to talk videos because there was um, the video stat came up in that slide too, and um, uh, it's the whole uh, students don't want to watch long videos. So our number one video goal is to make a short video, and instead of our number one goal to be making a good video, and I understand mm -hmm. length is important, but again, it goes back to the website too. Content is important as well. Yeah. Yeah, so again, making choices about your video. Um, seniors, 68% said that they were more likely to consider runtime, looking at a runtime for a video before launching it compared to the juniors at 53%, but still more than half are scanning that runtime before they decide to get into that video. So what's the right runtime? Um, two minutes and and more is too much they're not going to do it but uh if we can maybe look at a minute a minute 30 we're going to be in better shape there and Ooh, i think video. yeah there it is um you know curating that video curating the content um they are really in video as with photography looking for a sense of place and people, not so much the talking heads, though, not so much faculty discussing their discipline or alumni, um, but getting a sense of fit. And again, I think editing and curating the content, trying not to, thank you, yeah, right on, um, trying not to pack too much in and having confidence that this one video view is not the only thing, the only content that they're going to consume, that we can have layers and repetition and really think strategically about what are our key positioning themes, our value propositions, what sets us apart, and where do we pitch those into individual elements of video? How do we choose a photo that represents that? How do we craft an email that imparts some but not all of those thoughts and i think there's um you know there's a certainly a balance when it comes to all of these kinds of things um i got an email this morning from the chronicle uh they're touting uh, a generation z report and mm. one of their bullets todd's like oh how interesting we're talking about that today i should have responded and been like hey chronicle watch the show uh, so anyway, one of the bullets uh, in the email talked about uh, Generation Z's, quote, 
preferred mix of face-to-face -face virtual and experiential learning. Now it was aimed at, uh, you know, not enrollment and marketing necessarily, it was aimed at sort of the entirety of the, the educational experience. Uh, and that's a lot of buzzwords, you know, it's experiential and it's virtual and whatever. How do we make that mix happen? It, it, and again, it comes down to content. It's video and it's texting and it's emails and banner ads and, and finding that sweet spot in and around everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think the key, Chris, is not sweating the venues so much um, and stop wishing for venues to disappear so you can ignore print or ignore email, but to really focus in on your content architecture. Um, what are those positioning themes that set you apart and where, where do they play best? So in social channels, talking about fit, talking about sense of place and people in um, maybe other layers like email and print and website content, please. Um, really hitting on academics and cost, um, getting people to use calculators and, and thinking strategically about the juxtaposition one to the next. Um, and, and what venues are best for what messages, and then measure the stuffing out of everything. As always, as always. Yeah. All right, so I want to talk about images. You have a, um, a cool slide here about the images that um, students, uh, you know, for, the, you tested for various appeal, and so I'm going to bring that uh, oh, good. up. Yeah, yeah. So here's our, our image slide. So yeah. Talk me through this. Sure. So I decided to go clean slate. I'd been looking at the same kind of raft of images for a couple of years and seeing really consistent results. So went out shopping for some new stock photos. And this is what I came up with um, after some consultation with my partners at Omni Update and my team. And, um, you know, representing a whole bunch of different elements and aspects of the college experience. So you can see from the numbers, um, one, two, three, four, five, there are top most appealing images. And three of the five don't really have discernible people in them. Obviously, that arena shot has lots of people, but you can't can't make them out. Um, and that's really kind of a setting or sense of place. And the rooftop shot is very much like that drone shot that we uh, looked at for a couple of years previously that was always the winner. Yep. And then um, the look at the snow on the ground. Hey, you in Brockport, um, I think this is a sign for you that you shouldn't be afraid to schedule a photo shoot when the snow's flying. There you go. See, that's the thing. Now, for, the, for those of you who are uh, listening to the podcast and you're not looking at your screens, uh, we've got uh, 10 images here on the screen. And, uh, uh, they're all very, very, you could see any one of these 10 on any co college view book uh, that you pick up. They are yep. Yep. very, very standard. Um, but uh, the ones that... Uh, you know, as you said, Steph, really, the, the ones that are a sense of place uh, are the ones, it's it's the arena and it's the the lawn with the building and the, the overhead shot, the ones that, and even, because you even have two science lab photos in here, mm -hmm. um, the one that is wider is more interesting. It shows more activity. And so it's like even things that you would think would be virtually interchangeable, mm -hmm. uh, 
there was there was a clear preference to, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting you point that out. So the I call it the engineering lab. It's a two shot. So there are two young men and and all kinds of equipment, and juxtapose that against a microscope shot where a young woman is peering into a micro microscope in some kind of lab. There are beakers and Bunsen burners, but it's a pretty tight shot on her face. And that particular image was one of the least favorite for juniors and seniors. So I, yeah, yeah, these nuances, I think it makes a great case for careful photography selection and strong art direction in photo shoots for sure. Definitely. Um, so let's see, there's something else in here that I am looking for that I wanted to ask about. So let's talk uh, social media a little bit. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Facebook earlier uh, and uh, you know, uh, Snapchat's a thing now that, you know, is uh, colleges are, are certainly doing uh, more. Um, what sorts of trends are you seeing? I think Snapchat is really flattened out. Um, you know, we see pretty steady daily use of Snapchat and certainly in the Geyer family household here now with a 14 year old, a 17 year old and <laughs> uh, a college graduate, they're still snapping madly. Um, but when we looked at the data about where college and college-bound students want to find content from schools, it's not Snapchat. So there was even a pretty significant decrease in the small numbers from last year for seniors going down to like 7%. So when I look at everything um, in terms of overall daily use and then relevance that, that the marketplace says, different channels have for their higher ed choice. And if I were you, I would double down on Instagram. I would probably keep Facebook in place, uh, knowing that there's still going to be some prospective students in there. But parents from our 2017 study are definitely thinking about Facebook as another channel in to kind of sort out the lists that their students are telling them, schools that they're considering. Um, Instagram video, yeah, there it is. Yeah, uh, so, so I want to is... bring this up because I thought this was interesting. So this uh, here shows what students are saying there. Can you see my arrow? Yeah, I can. Oh, cool. Good job. This is, uh, I didn't realize that. We're live. Uh, so <laughs> this is the percentage of uh, that students are saying they're using these various apps, yes? Yes. So, and I brought in just to, you know, make a super chart, which is a hallmark of all things data, Ruffalo, Noel Levitz. We love the data. We love to compare. So we've got 17 data and 18 data. So um, seniors, 17 on the far left, and then 18. So we see a little swing up for seniors and juniors in Instagram. Snapchat flat for seniors, minuscule increase for juniors. And this is just in general daily use. Right. Um, YouTube, but I think it's interesting when you switch to the next slide and you yeah, see yeah. Snapchat use for college research mm -hmm. much. So they're clearly yeah. as as people, but they are not necessarily using it for college research. Totally. And look at look at Facebook. I mean, Facebook overall use declined and then Facebook for higher ed declined. Right. That's um, a significant drop a significant drop on Facebook for college search. But and if you, then, again, going back here, 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Boom. Very interesting to see. Yeah. Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. Something's going on, dude. Um, and look at Instagram. Look, Instagram increase yep. for seniors, big increase for juniors. Hence my double down recommendation. Um, and I'll say, uh, you know, from my focus group of three here, I've decided to start using Instagram more often because it's the only way I can get the attention of my 14-year-old. Um, she, yeah. she has promised me there is no Facebook in her life forever. So there it is. Our, uh, our 12-year-old this weekend was in the backseat and said, ah, I haven't been on Instagram in a while. I need to get on Instagram more often. We're like, you took a picture like two hours ago. What do you think? <laughs> it's not physically possible for you to be on Instagram more often than you already are. Oh, yeah. But 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 they're on Snapchat minute by minute. It's, uh, it's delightful. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what, what, are, what am I missing here? What, um, what are the other takeaways that, uh, that are really important? Let me just have a quick scan through because, you know, just a lot. Um, oh, yeah. So um, I think this is interesting, too. Do you want to pop over to 22? And this just goes back into some of my rants about um, content curation and information architecture. So... Last year, we asked this question, you know, what are your preferences for navigating within a college or university website? And look at that first cluster. And, and I did a little data switch for you here. So the first two items are both 17 study results. 22% of seniors, 20% of juniors from last year saying that they look at links that the campus elects to put in their global nav. And then look at how it jumped up. And so that juxtaposed against using a search engine. So we had years ago, a couple of years ago, doing some user research, witness time after time, asking students to work through a particular client website instead of using the global nav or choices you know, within the content on the page, they would open up a new tab, go out to Google or just in the address bar, and do a search to come out and then back in. And so that's why we asked this question. And last year, about a third said, yeah, I go out to a search engine, I look, and then I come back into a site perhaps. But that seems to be shifting. And someone, maybe one of my clients or colleagues said, well, hey, maybe we finally figured out how to make a website that works for students. And I would like to think so, yes. Um, but, uh, after but, all these you years, know, finally. After all these years, we got it, yay! Let's take a vacation. No, no, no. I, I look at college websites for schools. Oh, yeah. No, we're still, there's still opportunity to get it right. But I think the marketplace, you know, maybe a little bit more comfortable, maybe, um, the responsive and the curation that's had to happen with um, architecture and choreography going to a mobile site, maybe that has helped some. Mm -hmm. I think there's more data to be collected. That's my yeah. answer here. But, but I think that stat, that sort of jump in students, you know, really looking at the, the page and, and finding what it is that they want, 
and I've been saying this for a while, family, students, they're much more savvy about what they read online now. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to just take what you're throwing out there as at face value. They're going to look for what they want and they're going to, if they can't find what they want, they'll move on. But the, they want to be able to get the information they want quickly. Um, we had a, uh, a landing page for our, uh, our custom view book online. When we went from linking to the landing page to linking to the first actual content page instead, um, our bounce rate plummeted. We went from a, like an 80% bounce rate to like a 7% bounce rate because we got students right into the content that they wanted. Yeah. Oh, big, splashy, fancy. Like they want, there's that, ah, oh, this is marketing. I don't want to waste time on marketing. I want the information that I need. Yeah, totally. I love that you know that percentage too. I think that it speaks well of, you know, paying attention to the data and replicating that or, you know, had, had you seen some other result, um, making incremental shifts. And I think it's not about big, big changes. I think it's about noodling and looking at, you know, a great data studio report out of Google Analytics and saying, oh, hey, look, our RFI completes have increased on this page when we present it in this way, or hey, when we cut the RFI form down to like three questions, um, our completion rate soared. So, you know, rinse and repeat for sure. There, it's it's uh, it's not rocket surgery, as they say. <laughs> Get the information out there. All right. Well, we are coming up on time. Uh, Stephanie, any last minute words of wisdom for the higher ed admissions enrollment marketers of the world? Yeah. Well, not a word of wisdom, but just um, a request. Like, let me know what you're chewing on. Let me know what questions are still outstanding for you that I can go back into the marketplace and ask on your behalf. Um, go dig into the report. You can get the trend report um, if you're interested in a PowerPoint deck to share with your colleagues, uh, with the grown-ups on your campus. Uh, just email me. I'll, I'll get it to you or I'll hook you up with a webinar and, and deliver it for you. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping I see folks at High Ed Web and AMA in a couple of months. Um, but don't wait, just just find me and let me know what's going on. Yep, a uh, quick plug for High Ed Web. If you are uh, working in the higher education web space, you wanna be in Sacramento in October. Uh, that is where the annual High Ed Web Conference will be, uh, October 20, 21st to the 23rd, or thereabouts? Yep. 20, there. 20, mm -hmm. so, yeah, 21st to the 24th. So, uh, uh, do please, uh, you know, uh, will uh, Stephanie be there? I'll be there. Uh, much more detail on the applications and, and all other great stuff, content and web and, and social and everything. So uh, as always, Stephanie Geyer, thank you so very, very much for taking some time with us. Uh, and please drop us a tweet or drop us an email. We are always happy to answer questions and talk. Uh, and thank you so very much. Hang on a second. I've got, uh, there's a, a link to get the expectations at the Higher Ed Live uh, Twitter. You can also go to the Higher Ed Live website, higheredlive.com, uh, and a little uh, box will pop right up. They can take you right to e-expectations. 
Thank you so much to uh, our sponsor, M. Stoner, and our episode sponsor, Omni Update, and to all my colleagues here at the College of Brockport. And uh, we will see you next time on Higher Ed Live.